0: Party with Marty, the podcast where we take you through the pictures directed by Martin Scorsese and the companion films from his letterboxd list. I'm your co-host, MJ Smith.
1: And I'm Sarah Buddery, and this week we are talking about Portrait of Jason, uh, which is a film from 1967. Uh, Before we get into the details of it, we thought it would be great to let you guys know up top where we watched it so we Mm -hmm. have been doing this sort of in the tail end normally after we've spoken about the film um so just in case you want to watch this film and then come back and listen to us talking about it because obviously we are going to spoil it uh then yeah this is where you can watch it so i watched it i own the disc (laughs) but because I'm a lazy person. I was downstairs, couldn't be bothered to get off my butt and come and get my disc upstairs and it is if you look hard enough, you can find it on YouTube.
0: <laughs> I watched it. Did you own the disc prior to this podcast? No
1: I bought I bought it for this. I managed okay. to pick it up like pretty cheap on Amazon or eBay, one of those places. but was it
0: the restoration? Yes, nice. So, it is streaming here in the States on the Criterion channel. Uh, that is not where I watched it. Um, it is also streaming on, some th- streaming on something called Ovid, which I've never heard of. Mm. Um, and then I watched it on Canopy, spelled with a K, um, which is something you can get through most local libraries and it is awesome it is more or less like the <clears throat> criterion channel but for free through your local library and they have a lot of current and older releases with a focus on like art house fair mm-hmm. um along with like culty stuff like they have a lot of cool 80s horror stuff on oh, canopy fun. um like it's it's like a cool nexus of like weird film nerd stuff mm-hmm. so then they have like they have some awards darlings from the last couple of years right like they ha- they just recently added everything everywhere all at once controversial as it's been i think the whale's on there now like so they have mm-hmm. like a good mix of like current like mainstreamy stuff that still skews a little art house here and Stuff like Portrait of Jason. It's also available to rent on something called Kino Now, which I also have never heard of, and Amazon Prime. <laughs> um, cool. It is so.
1: definitely more available in the US than it is in the UK. There are no streaming options for this in the UK, hence why I went out and bought the disc. The version that is currently on YouTube, which normally I don't condone, but it is, it's is—it's only been up for like a couple of weeks. So even when this episode goes out, it might already be too late and be taken down because I guess technically people should not be putting whole films on YouTube to watch for nothing. But whatever. I bought the disc as well, so I don't feel too bad. Uh, Do feel slightly bad at it just being due to the fact that I could not be bothered to get up and go upstairs to find the disc. Uh, But we move. Uh, (laughs) So it is, yeah, tricky to find, but is doable even more so uh in america um so this film uh is a a documentary film but it's it's not as straightforward as it might seem on the surface uh directed by shirley clark uh starring jason holiday is the only person we see we hear a lot of voices in the background as well from shirley clark and is it carl lee her yep. partner at the time i believe um and this film focuses on uh, black gay prostitute jason holiday as he is rigorously interviewed on his story and character revealing nuanced truths about life and art it is the companion film for scorsese's italian-american and these are marty's notes from his letterboxd list shirley clark's picture is all about what happens in the frame You're just with this man as he speaks to the camera, tells the story of his life and his dreams, reacts to comments and asides from behind the camera. You're focused on him as a person, the stories he tells, his body language, his behaviour. In a way, Portrait of Jason broke down the barriers between fiction and documentary, acting and behaviour. It was liberating. Uh, MJ, (laughs) what did you think about Portrait of Jason?
0: Um I think I need to approach this from two angles more so, like very clearly like a hard line more than we mm-hmm. have been one being Marty's comments the other being yeah. my own reaction to it as far as Marty's comments go this shit is in all his documentaries it's wild <laughs> um it is it is crazy how much this film influenced him like you can tell um <laughs> I have not seen Italian American, so I don't know. I would almost say that this, in my brain, is also a companion to Rolling Thunder Review colon a Bob Dylan story. Um, I see that. Mm-hmm. So much. Uh, I think it also pairs really, really, really well with. I I, I sort of wish we would we would have gotten Adam or Missy on this episode. Um, with the rehearsal, that Nathan Fielder thing, did you watch the rehearsal? No, I've not seen it. Okay. Bit of shameless self-promo. Real Perspective has an episode on the rehearsal. It is my favorite episode of podcasting I have ever done across all three shows. I Mm. am so proud of that episode. Uh, so please, like, if you like what we're about to talk about, or if you like the way in which we're about to talk about this, go listen to our episode on the rehearsal, because it is similarly aimed um as far as my personal thoughts about the film i don't know um mainly because (laughs) it's only been like an hour since i finished it and i am somewhere between fuck these people and was this real um so i don't i don't know and no one knows and so i think i'm never going to have a clear answer on how i actually feel about this movie (laughs)
1: To to just double check, the fuck these people, is that the people behind the camera? Yeah, the fuck making those people. Spell? If sure. this
0: is actually like a real thing that happened, this is one of the most unethical films I have ever seen in my entire life. And I'm very mad that I watched it. However, <laughs> Jason is such a performer. And Carl Lee is also an actor. And it's implied that they knew each other in some way that almost feels like they might be fucking with us the audience so i don't (laughs) know it's hard it's hard to say how i feel about this movie because if they were just screwing around right like if it was all a setup for the audience i'm totally fine with that if they were like we're just gonna be mean to this guy i hate it
1: (laughs) yeah and that's one of the things i think is so interesting about this film is it doesn't like a lot of the films we've watched already doesn't handhold you at all to give you that clear and definitive answer right through to the very end of this film and this this film ends on a such a surprising there's like a real gut punch like hard to watch moment where they bring this guy to tears and we've seen him he's such a character the whole way through this and then like it ends on a very very funny note as well where they sort of like get him to you know, pretend to have an orgasm he just does this incredibly like outlandish noise and it's just like the the whole thing it just in my brain the whole time was like, is this whole thing a bit like It feels and, like it might be. And I'm actually completely fine with not knowing because I found this film so compelling and I was incredibly nervous about watching this film because I was like, you mean to tell me that this is like an uh hour forty seven-ish uh film? where it is literally just a guy talking to camera, I felt quite intimidated by that as a concept because I was like, wow, this guy has got to be so interesting and so watchable that it can hold my attention for that length of time and not sort of see me losing my my concentration or anything. Fortunately, Jason Holiday is incredible. An incredible performer. Take that in whatever way uh, you want, whether the the tales he tells whether they are all true whether they are embellished whether they are entirely fabricated that doesn't really matter the main thing is this guy is an incredible performer and incredible to watch and makes for such a compelling subject for a documentary an unconventional documentary i would say because we don't really get any clear indication at the end of it whether any of this stuff is true and that's absolutely fine it's like Without this sounding super pretentious, it feels like a, just like a like a performance art piece, right? Like it's just like let's get this guy. I was reading about the making of it. They they started at like nine p.m. in Shirley Clark's um, apartment. They recorded for like twelve hours, when mm-hmm. they had like twelve hours worth of material. There's a lot of sort of on and off changing of reels, black but still like sound recording, or black screen right. with sound still recording, and getting in focus and that sort of thing. So it's very rough around the edges but intentionally so and it is literally just like we've got these we've got one night let's get this guy let's get a few bottles of liquor uh, and some joints and just let this guy go and I liked that unpredictability of it and then I felt Mm -hmm. that in the filmmaking as well it kept me on my toes where it was just kind of like it never at any point felt like I am just watching a guy sit in a chair, tell a story with the camera never moving and nothing ever changing because he stands up, he lies down, he sits, he falls over laughing, like there's enough stuff going on and this guy, as I said, is so watchable that it it, it held my interest. But that sort of not knowing the direction it was going to go in and then being like completely blindsided by <laughs> at least like how it ends or part of how it ends caught me off guard in a way that I really liked. I really really enjoyed this film. And I was super excited to talk about it because I was just like I know my feelings about it are complicated and I know we're not going to have the answers mm-hmm. of like exactly kind of the the circumstances and like you said whether they were deliberately provoking this guy and kind of like fucking with him to sort of get him to say things just because they thought it would be entertaining or if they're in on the joke as well and we don't know that and i'm not sure we ever will and i'm kind of okay with it
0: <laughs> yeah i just like i said if they're if they were if this was intentional and they caught legit caught this dude off guard like that's fucked man like i really yes. i really don't like that um no. and so like i can't like in good conscience like if if i were to know either way like and know that was the outcome i would not be able to like be like yeah this is a movie people should watch um right that said it does because of that right like it's it's so because we don't know i guess i need to abandon that point because i'm gonna stick on it the whole show if i don't first off yeah. and then second uh it's it, it, it sort of reminds me of um this is a weird comparison and might be, might at a surface level sound like some white people bullshit, but it reminds me a lot of certain moments of Inside, the Bo Burnham thing. Oh, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was thinking a lot about that, right? So, like, the whole thing is the cinema verite thing, and if you don't know what cinema verite uh, thing is, like, we're getting into this segment early because I think we have to, which is the MJ went to film school thing. Um, (laughs) It's called observational cinema. Sometimes Um, it's, we're going to talk about this guy a lot. Ziga Vertov. You've heard me talk about him a bunch. We're going to talk about the manifesto for uh, (laughs) variations on a manifesto. Again, it all is part of this. So the idea is that it was like setups between a filmmaker and a subject. This is from the Wikipedia even to the point of provocation some argue that the obvious presence of the filmmaker and camera was seen by most cinema verite filmmakers as the best way to reveal the truth on top of that you guys remember we variant of a manifesto which was a kino i manifesto which was essentially says like that the the camera is the ultimate arbiter of truth because it is unblinking so it can catch things that the eye doesn't catch like okay so this is a qu- openly recognizing the rhythm of the machines the delight of mechanical labor the perception of the beauty of chemical processes we sing of earthquakes we compose film epics of electric power plants and flame we delight in the m- movements of comets and meteors and the gestures of searchlights that dazzle the stars. So the cinema verite is born out of this kino eye thing. They are not necessarily one and the same. Um so if you go look at a kino eye film, uh Vertov made one called Man with a Movie Camera. It is one of the most famous silent documentaries probably ever made. Um mm-hmm. <clears throat> Man with a Movie Camera is a bunch of these setups of like day-to-day life um from where he lived, but there's also like weird super surreal edits in it as well cinema verite sort of removes that aspect of it so it's like it is still sort of truth through artifice a little bit because like the filmmakers right in there talking to the subject that's cinema verite the problem with all of this and it's sort of i've never i don't think i've ever mentioned like my actual thoughts on the idea that verta presents of kino eye I think it's sort of bullshit. And the reason I think it's sort of bullshit <laughs> is because we can manipulate it in however way we see fit. And I think this is a huge thing that people misunderstand with documentaries is that documentaries are not news. Documentaries are not the truth. Documentaries are the perspective of a specific person. And that person can guide the narrative of that type of film or short in a way that they see fit to best get their point across. I think people really don't understand that. <laughs> that like, If you watch a documentary, you're watching a specific person's perspective on the topic they are covering. Whether you wanna buy into this keynote eye bullshit or not, that's what it is. They can edit it. I'm pretty sure there's a couple moments where they edit in footage from later in the night into earlier, footage and mix it up because jason gets hammered and he seems less drunk at certain points where he like was not that sober in the previous scene yeah so they are deliberately screwing with the timeline but it's presented as like oh we just shot this all at once and this is how it is right there's 12 Mm -hmm. hours of footage this movie's an hour and 26 minutes long Mm -hmm. that's like 10 and a half hours we didn't fucking see you know what i mean (laughs) like they, they could have shaped this to be anything they wanted it to be. So, is it a portrait of Jason? Sort of, I guess so. It is surely it is Shirley Clark and Carl Lee's portrait of Jason. It's not yep. really Jason's story. Jason is telling his story, but Shirley mm-hmm. Lee or Shirley Clark and Carl Lee are the ones who picked and chose what parts of Jason's story are being told to the audience.
1: Yes, and I and I think it very deliberately sort of it tonally shifts when he starts talking about his parents even though he is still quite jovial when he is talking about those things and talking about his father beating him and stuff like that that's where things start to sort of like not be as not be as entertaining or at least not as entertaining as it is in the beginning this is like a stand-up comedy Right, right, right like a comedy special because this guy is just like he's telling all these wild stories about hanging out with drag queens and the hijinks and and stuff that he would get into and the boozing and the drugs and the partying and the good times and all of that. And has a very sort of captivating way of, of, of telling a story, whether that was like how things started and then things went down a, a a sort of more serious path. we don't know that could have been the thing that they started off with or, you know there are moments early on as well there's a bit when he's standing up and he's holding the drink and he is very drunk at that point right but they put that quite early in the film and then later you sort of see him like he's finishing the bottle or he is working his way through it at least but you're right this is not sort of presented as like this is the exact order in which things happen they did just kind of set up a camera and give this guy some liquor and we like, go but they have then manipulated that to put that in the order that they want to make the point, whatever that is, that they, the filmmakers want to make about this person. It doesn't like necessarily make a super clear point about him because like Mm -hmm. we, as we are talking about it now, we're still so uncertain of like, was he in on it? How much of this was an act? Was this whole thing just a bit us not knowing that? And that's just how we're left with it at the end. But it's, it's the choice ultimately that the filmmaker has made. This is Shirley Clark's portrait of Jason. This is about one of the only times slapping a director's name in front of the title would actually make hell a lot of sense Yeah, uh, because it is his story as they, as they are choosing to present it.
0: And manipulate it, right? They're the ones asking the questions of him, Um, not just in the edit. And the other thing too is like, yes he is very obviously drunk like i think that that part is legitimate but we don't know how much help like the implication is that he's killed this bottle of booze himself we don't know if Shirley and carl are helping him we don't know if at one point they replace it with water we don't know if they dump the contents of this bottle of gin and put water in there and had him do it because it was a setup (laughs) it is right like that's the whole thing that's the that's that's where this all lies for me right and that's why i view this once again having not seen italian american yet as something like that goes with rolling thunder review which is he fucking made people up who were on that tour right the movie is not (laughs) the movie is a documentary it is a documentary there is so much archive footage of dylan performing on this tour that's all true that's all stuff that like had to have someone in the room in 19th they didn't go back and like de-age him you know like this isn't the irishman with bob dylan and so there's a lot of true stuff in here they got the real bob dylan to sit down in front of the camera and talk about it mm-hmm. right so there's some truth to that movie. There's some truth to Portrait of Jason, right? Like I believe Mm -hmm. most of the stories he's telling happened to him. I also believe he's exaggerating for comedic effect because he's, he's, An aspiring entertainer. And he knows he's got a movie made about him. Of course he would play some of the elements of that shit up, right? Like, so Mm -hmm. there's all these layers of truth and artifice on top of each other, but it's still getting at a true point, whether we like it or not, right? Like whether, whether Mm -hmm. this was unethical or it was just a one-off or a uh, getting one over on the audience, there's still truth in this, right? This is still, I think, particularly for 1967, an incredible picture of what the gay black experience in America was like.
1: Yes, 100%. And have you ever watched Paris is Burning, by the Mm -hmm. way? No. Great, great documentary. Would make a great companion to this, Mm -hmm. I feel. Um, Just for, again, it's mostly about drag performers, but a sort of like ballroom scene in in New Ah, York in the 80s, I want to say. And that is, again, very honest as much as a documentary can be because obviously it is, you know there is some manipulation in what story the filmmakers are wanting to tell in that and then also the performers being performers and therefore bring in something of an act to their mm. bits to camera but yeah I my mind was sort of blown a little bit when I was just like, A Portrait of Jason was made in 1967 so yeah. Paris is burning is like further, much further along, no lesser tumultuous time period to to particularly to be gay in. But right. this yeah. like it's particularly with how candid Jason is in talking about sex, being very honest mm-hmm. about what it is that 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 he does, um, his thoughts his thoughts and feelings about it, but also like talking about being a houseboy and kind of like mm-hmm. being a a servant of sorts to like rich white people and that sort of thing and yes there is embellishment to those stories and he tells them in a way that is very comedic but i have to believe that there is truth to what to what he is to what he is saying as it's well when he it, is yeah. telling those stories and there is much it's felt to me anyway that there was much less input from the filmmakers in the beginning. Mm-hmm. It's they're sort of occasionally there'd be a, you know, tell us about your childhood, or like, oh tell us that story about the the cop or tell us the story mm-hmm. about the drag queen or whatever and they're sort of like prompts. Um but it is it's him telling the things that he wants to tell, or that's how it seemed to me anyway, yeah. and for 1967 this is pretty bold the language yeah. is very strong we get some c-bombs we a get a lot of
0: them i think the most a i've lo- ever heard in a movie
1: <laughs> yeah i was like and the fir- the first mention of it when he's talking about that that being like the surname of one yeah. of the drag queens like yeah. really took me out yeah because... really
0: funny
1: <laughs> i can just imagine that and how provocative that would have been at the time as well mm. to someone be like oh you're a drag queen like what's your name and then turning around and saying that but yeah very ahead of its time in terms of like what is being discussed and the the manner in which he discusses those things in particular
0: yeah it also reminds me of i want to be careful about giving this shit a platform because i think they might be a little joe rogany so i'm sorry i apologize (laughs) there's a youtube channel called soft white underbelly is the name Mm -hmm. of it Oh, gross. Gross, gross, gross. Anyway. Well, yeah, I still think it's worth talking about. Gross, 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 gross. Dude, don't support these people. Anyway, he says uh, the description on YouTube is Soft White Underbelly Interviews and Portraits of the Human Condition by photographer Mark Leita. L-A-I-T-A. This started and mainly what I've seen Is, like, him interviewing people. Wow! Um, This is getting worse the more I click through. Um, He interviews people who are, like, considered somewhat... Jesus. Somewhat deviant. um, And not just sexually, although there is, like, people with fetishes on there. Or people who Mm -hmm. are in the throes of drug use. People who are... um, have just like really specific experiences like one of the things looking at their youtube page i just saw was like a shunned amish woman right that's Mm -hmm. like not a perspective we just get right um he has interviews with prostitutes on there i've watched a few of them i don't do it a lot because it can be a little heavy um he goes back and does evidence or evidence follow-up interviews there's like a a super um inbred family in arkansas that he's gone to visit a few times and I think he's helped them out financially here and there, but it's it's it is very much this. Like he points a camera at them, he does not appear on camera with them as an interviewer. He will mm-hmm. let them tell their story, he will prompt them with things. They will tell their story. If something catches his ear, he will ask follow-up questions about that. Very, very, very portrait of Jason. He just kind of lets them talk whether they're bullshit artists or not. Right? Mm-hmm. He tries to be from what i can tell right this is i don't know how long he interviews these people i don't know what he's omitted right um so very similar in that way of like train a camera on the subject just talk to them let them tell their speak their piece as stuff catches your you know interest ask follow-up questions that kind of thing it is very 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 inspired by that um however some of these people have been arrested for sexual assault so i am and some of these people are members of the kkk so these are people who do not deserve our time um <laughs> which is the problem the problem with that like that sort of like well i'm just being objective thing right is it's like if you're gonna platform anybody then you're fucking up right like um the the yeah. the most recent uh thing i just saw was chrystalia who was um not prosecuted or arrested on any of these charges but was canceled to use the parlance of our times for messaging underage girls on snapchat to try to get them to come back to his hotel room after his stand-up comedy performances and that was a couple years ago and two weeks ago this guy released an <laughs> interview with him so don't go check out that youtube channel sorry everybody but i think for the purposes of this that is an important it is, it is an important point of discussion
1: yeah i just had a quick scroll through as well because i admit I was not familiar with mm-hmm. this person or those interviews but part of that like sometimes and i don't know the intentions of the 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 person making those those films or doing those interviews, it does sometimes feel like get a get a load of this weirdo, get a load of this freak, and kind of like, and that's the, I I, that's not me thinking those things at all, but right. that's just like the crowd you're drawing in is that, and documentaries are incredibly guilty of this, right? You have ones about people who are incredibly overweight or they have like weird habits or whatever. Uh, or habits that would seem weird to some people. And it's just like the tone of those kind of documentaries is so often like,
0: <clears throat> roll up,
1: roll up, let's come and laugh at this at this person. And it doesn't always, it, it, yeah.
0: So what I will say for Soft White Underbelly, I have before, like I said, I don't often check in with him, but yeah. of the ones I've seen, that is not the tone. I would not watch multiple videos right. of them if they weren't the no. time. It is it is very much supposed to be like a portrait into the life of someone who is living life on the fringes of our society, which is why mm-hmm. I don't think he should be interviewing fucking Christelia. Um
1: yeah. Yeah. It gets a little it gets a little murky, doesn't it? Because it's like yes on the one hand having a Someone who who wouldn't necessarily always get the opportunity to share their story, being mm-hmm. given the opportunity to do that, and if the tone is right, then I think it can be very, it can be very effective. And I uh, still, without knowing what necessarily the intentions of Portrait of Jason are, I would still say that what to me at least seems that the the overall intentions of of this film is giving Jason the 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 platform and the opportunity to share and tell his story and that's a good thing because it's not necessarily a viewpoint that you hear very often and only he has lived those things and however much embellishment there is there is around those things and and acting and performing for the camera we are in agreement that there is at least still some truth in in what he is saying and particularly in 1967 someone putting a camera on a black gay prostitute and being Mm -hmm. like go (laughs) is a good thing because we need to hear more of those voices we need to hear voices of people who are not you know it's not our experience or anything that we can relate to at all but like can we still relate to this person and their human experiences and take in and enjoy to an extent the things that he is telling us yes it's just oh with a slight wariness that what we are being given is what the filmmaker has chosen to present to us, if that makes sense. And I'm definitely on the same page as you that if there was any kind of deliberate, like, let's poke this guy and get him to snap, or let's just ply this guy with alcohol, knowing that after he's had a few, he will tell all and sort of be uninhibited and that sort of thing questions about the 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 ethics of that obviously I think any person would what you don't want to see in a documentary or anything is someone being manipulated if they're not also I mean you don't want to see a person like in any way being like coerced or manipulated or or whatever unless it is something that they have agreed to do you know what right, I, I mean right. I'm not saying that he's gone like have at it sort of thing like do do your worst but also he he could have done that he could have just been like yeah you provoke me i'll have i'll have a uh you know clap back <laughs> yeah <laughs> right. that's the other thing
0: too is like <clears throat> we also don't know if he consented to this when he was sober right of like right even even if it wasn't scripted to do that if they had approached him and they were like hey this is what we want to do we are gonna do this we're gonna get you drunk and then we're gonna you know provoke you I think even that is fine, right? As long as they were able to go to him when he was of, like, his right mind and have him sign off on that, of like, great, I can do that. Sure. Like, that's fine. Um, But then again, is that the truth? Technically not, right? Like, that is not how it is presented in the film. But that doesn't mean (laughs) it doesn't get to the heart of the truth of, like, Jason's experience as someone who, given the things he's been through and the way he approaches them. And I know this as someone who also tries to play off most of the bad shit that's ever happened to me (laughs) uh, in a funny way, deeply insecure, right? That like, he is incredibly insecure, no matter what, like whatever happened here, this is a very, very, very insecure man. Um, Mm -hmm. I get it. (laughs) Um, And yeah, so, you know especially where it's like if he is trying to i don't know that he necessarily like he he very much like does not regret anything he's done i think that's clear either way Mm -hmm. but if he is trying to transition out of his life of hooking and being a houseboy into this cabaret entertainer as it seems like Mm -hmm. desperation breeds right like it's it's he would be willing to subject himself to that, which is still kind of gross, but it also makes a lot of sense given of like, well, this could be my big break. And I don't know what happened to him post this film. Mm. Um, I didn't look at, I didn't have time to look it up because I just finished watching it. So I don't know what, (laughs) what, like what this did to change his life, if it did at all. Um, Let's see what happened to him.
1: He lived to quite an old age. I know that. It was only 98, 1998 that I think he died.
0: Yeah, 74. Um, mm.
1: Which, for someone who had lived the life that <laughs> he had, so I'm like, mm-hmm.
0: pretty good going. <laughs> Born in Montgomery, Alabama. This is his Wikipedia page. Attended Ryder Business College for one year before moving on to the Actors Workshop in Hollywood, where he studied with Charles Lawton? <laughs> okay. Okay. So this explains Carl Lee's, okay, he then studied at the American Academy of Dramatic Arts in New York with Carl Lee, the man who introduced Payne to Shirley Clark. Okay, I think this is bullshit then. I I fully think this is a performance then. <laughs> okay. This
1: is where I'm, uh, this is where I'm falling down on this and I and I knew we would need to have this discussion before I really like, compiled my thoughts not just because i also finished watching it like very close to us (laughs) close Mm. to us recording but i was just like i watched it and i enjoyed it but then i started having these like conflicting feelings like you did i think as well of being like should we be enjoying this like Mm. what's going on but then just i don't know if it was just in his manner or just the way that he would talk and the way that he would tell stories and particularly the way in which he would interact with the like off-camera voices as well Mm -hmm. i was like these people know each other they know how to sort of like push each other's buttons a little bit and get them to either say something that is like incredibly heartbreaking or incredibly funny and it can kind of go either way in, the, in this film. And it does.
0: <laughs> so check this out. A month before shooting, Holiday met Andy Warhol at a ball at a bar through Paul Morrissey. Warhol attempted to make a film starring Holiday and Edie Sedgwick, but it never materialized. Shirley Clark went on to make Portrait <laughs> of Jason. In an interview with Jonas Mekas for his Village Voice column in 1967, Holiday said, I know I am a great actor and I got a chance to prove it. I wondered if people would think i was a homosexual bisexual or heterosexual i wondered if i was great enough to convince them i was all three i was aware film wise of what i was doing i never got too far beyond my image but what is my image other than a well-dressed well-liked swinging cat i also play many roles in life i was also hip enough to do it on the screen dig it well there you go we did it (laughs) yeah this is this isn't even a documentary then this is just a piece I of mean, performance art. You know what I mean? Like that—that's all it is. What at I this said point. earlier. Yeah. yeah, that's like that's what it is. Like yes, it is a it is it's a one man show. It, they just filmed a one man show and like yeah, okay. Well, that makes me feel a lot better about it. <laughs> that's for fucking sure. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think it's still like it. It presents an interesting. What even is a documentary? Discussion. Sure what even is the truth, like what, what you said, and and it's, even now, people watching documentaries, they go, this is true. And you would assume that it is. <laughs> but also, how do you know that? And, you know, how do you know that things haven't been completely fabricated for, for our entertainment? Mm-hmm. Which is why I was, mm-hmm. I mean, I was dubious to even call this a documentary, because it is so we're not gonna tell you what is and isn't and isn't true like throughout the film and performance art or a stand-up show or a comedy special comes much closer to to what this film actually is i still there there must be some truth in the thing in some in at least some of his tall tales but i I think some of it is like playing this part of this you know Mm -hmm
0: yeah yeah. i don't think it's all bullshit in like i don't think yeah. everything he says is bullshit i think what he says about his parents is probably largely true i think what yes. he says about living in la with the construction worker is largely true i think what he talks about the guy who died about of a heart attack is largely true like i think all of these are true stories that actually happened to this man i don't think mm-hmm. he's bullshitting about that but i think he's embellishing because he is performing and he's aware of what he's performing right and the other thing too is it's it's like this isn't this isn't a documentary in the sense that it is a document of this man's life and every step of the way, this is him recounting these stories. And it's like, it reminds me of the quote from Memento where he's like, says memory can change the shape of a room. It can change the color of a car and memories can be distorted. They're just Mm. an interpretation. Mm -hmm. They're not a record and they're irrelevant. If you have the facts, right? This is just memory. That's it. And like, with memory becomes one just legit forgetting and then having to make up details. And then also just embellishing to tell a more entertaining story. Right. But the heart of what he's saying is still true. There's still truth in this movie.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I I feel like the world's biggest idiot now, but like the, the sort of the thing that he says right at the start is about his name, what his name used to be. Mm -hmm. And his name is now Jason holiday. And it's just like, that is obviously the name that he goes by outside of this as well. But then it's also just like, that is a character. I am I am playing like so many right. musicians. <laughs> why did they change their name from Farouk Belsara to Freddie Mercury? Like, why, right. you know?
0: Right, right. right. <laughs> like, because... Nicholas Coppola.
1: Right, yeah, yeah. Just like, oh, I don't want to be, uh, I don't want to be considered. <laughs> looked at with my famous uncle and my many acting cousins but yeah
0: like
1: like there's a, a stage name or whatever is like not an uncommon thing but also it's just like when you are a person who performs in whatever capacity that might be giving yourself a stage name allows you to be a different person when you are performing than the person you are at home and that's pretty much like the one of the first things we're told about him is like my name is like aaron Payne, but like i am jason holiday and this is who jason holiday is Mm -hmm. i'm so glad that this film is not like that i don't have to hate like because i was like i really enjoyed this and now i was just like god damn it i don't want there to be something about it that is just like Gonna stop me from. Enjoying. Right,
0: right. Well, and 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 so this is I got away from my point earlier about inside. This mm. is where this and now even more it feels like inside. Because I think inside gets to the heart of what a lot of people experience during lockdown, right? Like I had a weird relationship with Inside in that I watched it the day. I watched it on my birthday because it came out a couple days before. And mm-hmm. it was hours before my birthday party that year, which was the first time everyone was going to hang out after we'd all gotten vaccinated. It's been like a year and right. a half. And I sat down and I watched it, and it immediately took me back to what 2020 was like and the anxiety and the depression. I was also Mm -hmm. dealing with the fallout of losing my father. So that was an added layer for me specifically. So it just took me right back to that. Right. Mm -hmm. It's largely bullshit. That thing. He wasn't locked in that fucking room. He, it was, it was his spare house in his backyard. He's Mm -hmm. a very successful performer and comedian who I think for at least a portion of it was in a relationship. That relationship Mm -hmm. has since ended. Uh, But he wasn't just alone in that room, sleeping in like eating, drinking this performance piece. Right. That's the implication of it. And it comes across really well because I think he's a talented director. I really liked eighth grade, but like that's it's, it's, it is, it is in that sense, largely bullshit. However, it still gets to the truth of what the isolation of lockdown was like for a lot of us, particularly yeah because he was set to go on tour for the first time in five years after that like i can't imagine what that would be like as a performer that would be a mind fuck right like Mm. and like Mm -hmm. yeah some people are like well it's just a rich white dude complaining about not being able to get the attention he seeks and it's like well no like yeah sure Yes, mm-hmm. it's not not that, but it is deeper than that, right? Like, I think he has a genuine love of, like, creating and performing, and that's not nothing. Um, <laughs> and so, like, that's an oversimplification of what it is, actually. But, you know, it, there's there's a moment of the movie. There's a couple moments of, of, of Inside where he's got the camera trained on a mirror, and he's talking into the mirror, and he's related, like, he has, he's, he's, like, very candid about some potential suicidal ideation that he's having. Yeah, um, He says he's, like, making it so I don't, I think the direct quote is, like, so I don't put a bullet in my fucking brain or something. Um, And that is, like, pure kino Eye shit, right? Like, that is, he has trained the camera. Like, the camera is the focal point of that. He is off to the right third of it. The camera's the main point. So what he's saying in that, visually, is that the camera is catching the truth of what this comedy special in quotes is right Mm -hmm. but like he is able to leave that room and go back to his house and like make whatever sandwich he wants right like that is that (laughs) both things are true about that does that make the truth and the relatability that people found in inside any less true fucking of course not absolutely not you know like just because it is largely artificial doesn't mean it's not true and that's what portrait of Jason is like as well
1: it's a really good point and I mean I I was just as you were saying that was just kind of rereading Marty's notes on it and the the last bit in particular and the way he says the portrait of Jason broke down the barriers between fiction and documentary acting and behavior and this was liberating it's like yeah there there, there is truth in this there are elements of truth but it is also a performance bo Burnham making inside they would have been things that he was feeling there were things that a lot of people were feeling during oh. that time of incredible isolation but he is channeling those things into a a what i would also consider as a performance art piece it yeah. is not a documentary right um i i i don't even think you could class it as that i don't know what it's categorized as and on, on on netflix I think it's, or wherever
0: technically a comedy special is like the classification for it Put as a dark comedy special. Uh, sure, <laughs> yeah, comedy
1: special. <laughs> it is funny as well, but yeah, it's 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 that sort of like uncategorizable mm-hmm. type of film, which is what this is as well. I even doing the intro for Portrait of Jason, I was just like documentary, kind of <laughs> like it isn't. It isn't.
0: Yeah, the, the rehearsals the same way, like the the yeah. rehearsal if, if I start talking about the rehearsal is going to be a fucking quadruple length <laughs> episode but the the base premise is that he uh, it starts off as one thing and becomes another so it's, it's hard to sort of put it into a nutshell it is it is uncategorizable but it's very similar to these things that is just a television season length thing of this and it mm-hmm. gets into some ethically murky waters as well but it also calls into question if it's actually all kind of bullshit or not as well like Mm -hmm. it's very very similar and like even more meta because it's something that came out in like 2021 2022 something like that and so it it, it's it's such a that the rehearsal is so fascinating i think about the rehearsal like once a week for extended periods of time it's one (laughs) of the most interesting things i've ever seen in any medium like it just the, the 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 basic premise is that Nathan Fielder, or the basic premise that he wants you to think the show is, is that Nathan Fielder isn't sure if he wants to get married, settle down, and have children, so he wants to rehearse having that life before he commits to it either way. So he, like, goes and auditions potential wives. And, like, fake wives. And then goes and auditions potential fake children that they will be having. Um, <laughs> and... so he ends up living with this like woman who's super christian and like definitely part of a mlm like and he's (laughs) like these are the responsibilities you have to execute while you're here these are this is what i'm going to be doing but i'm also directing the show so Mm -hmm. um and it starts off with like just her there and then he's like well I kind of want this too. So I'm going to be like your fake husband. And, but like, we're not going to sleep in the same bed. Like I'm not going to make it weird. Right. Like weirder than it already is. And (laughs) so that happens. And then like they bring in kids. And so they start with babies and they go all the way up to like seven or eight years old. And then one of the kids ends up like not being able to distinguish that it's fictional because he doesn't have a dad in his life. and so he starts calling nathan fielder dad and then get like when it all comes to an end is like has a really hard time going back home just with mom Mm. because he misses dad because he was spending time with dad and nathan fielder has like a really good connection with the kid too like they like the back and forth with each other is like really good Mm. and so then he that's where it gets like really ethically murky of like oh did i just fuck this kid up like, for the rest mm-hmm. of his life. And then, like, later on, he goes and follows up with them. And the kid's more or less forgotten all about it, right? Like, he remembers Nathan, but he doesn't remember considering him his father. Because mm. kid brains are weird and, like, super malleable. So, like, just a yeah. few <laughs> months after, like, he's just like, oh, hey, Nathan, like, I remember you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, mm. he is not as hung up on on this guy being dad anymore so it's real strange it's a real fucking strange show but it is also this
1: yeah and it's like when you are living in the fantasy how much more that fantasy starts to feel like reality and that's kind of what we're doing in portrait of jason as well like we are living in this like wonderful colorful fantasy of jason holiday and 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 all that he is and whether or not that's all as it appears or as it is presented or as it is told kind of doesn't matter because you are caught up in the the story the what he is presenting and what the film is presenting as the thing that should be believed it it's films like this I wasn't expecting this, that made me have, like, a slight existential crisis <laughs> where mm-hmm. I'm just like, what even is real anyway? Yeah. Um, <laughs> And <laughs> I was... I felt that at times... I felt that more into this film, or the further into this film I got, sorry, like, when it, when it did start to take a turn, when suddenly he was crying and I was like, oh, I was laughing about something five minutes ago. Mm-hmm. Um, Even just some of the things he would say, it was... It, comes across anyway as very self-deprecating but also you sense there is a sadness and a truth in that as yeah, well yeah, yeah. like he he said like um i wrote some stuff down but he's like when i get pathetic i'm one of the most pathetic people in the world and it's like oh that's a hard thing to like hear someone mm. say about themselves and uh, one of my favorite lines or favorite things that he says in this film is um when he's like oh i've suffered expensively i mean extensively and it's like it's It's a great turn of phrase, and it's a great way of saying something, but you're like, oh, he is, like, sweeping us up in this, like, fantasy that is his life, this incredible life where he has brushed shoulders with the rich and famous and the goodness knows what else. Mm -hmm. And even just, like, the things you were reading, that Wikipedia page, like, Andy War and, like, wild. cannot even imagine the, like, the the things that this man got up to. Um, But yet there is, like pain there as yeah, as absolutely. well um and you Sam certainly Brown, get that right? in With... yeah yeah you, yeah you certainly get that in the way that he he talks about his his parents like he is laughing as he says it but he is also sort of talking about some pretty some pretty heavy stuff um and one of the th- one of the answers to questions that I love most was when they ask him like, "Did you hate your mother?" And he's so like, good. "Well, I try to, but then I got pregnant."
0: I'm Incredible. so glad you brought that up. That baby laugh so <laughs> <Incredible>. hard. <clears throat>
1: oh, I. There's so I, my notes in this are mostly like things that he said. I'm oh. also gonna add, "I'll never tell" to my just everyday. Parlance, just because i think that's one of the things he says when he's talking about the drag queen but then he repeats it like throughout like he'll finish like an outlandish story Mm -hmm. and then he's like but i'll never tell and i'm just like yes i love it i'm gonna i'm gonna start using that
0: (laughs) yeah yeah he's so so funny and just like it it sort of honestly it does sort of remind me of oh gosh um that uh let's see oh i didn't think i was gonna go here damn it all right um once again i'm going to read some wikipedia sorry if this becomes the mj reads wikipedia (laughs) podcast this reminds me of rudy ray moore rudy ray moore is the man who came up with dolomite um i know we've talked about dolomite Mm -hmm. a bunch but um he came up with dolomite right like dolomite was this character who was a pimp that he would perform as on stage, right? Rudy Ray Moore was a stand-up, He would perform as Dolomite and he would say these sort of like crass rhyming couplets a little mm-hmm. bit. And he got that from the street poets in New York who would do stuff like that. And also I think some of pimp culture adopted that as part of their identity, which is why he blended it on stage like that, but then did it as jokes. Um, Mm. Jason does a lot of that. Like he'll say shit that rhymes, right? Like every so often he'll like drop a, like a, just like a couplet like that. And it's not necessarily like a dirty couplet the way Rudy Ray Moore would do it, but it's like, it's got a layer of irony. It's got a layer of entendre, like every so often. And then at the end, when he's really drunk, he recites that entire poem about Dinah. Mm. right um so it's like he this is a culture that i think he is very very entrenched in as well and comes it comes through in certain parts of like the way he talks and the way he relates these stories like it's it's this weird thing where it's like that's that it does all feel like the personality of jason slash Aaron, but Mm. it's all played up for the camera right and like bo burnham is stated as much about the character of bo burnham right like the bo burnham we mm. see on stage he said is a character he's not that surly and cynical in real life about mm-hmm. a lot of shit but like there is some stuff he is and that gets him angry and so then he like channels that into the thing but like you know there's like moments where he's like antagonistic to the audience or like plays up this false sense of confidence of like i'm better they like really condescending yeah and like he said that like that part is purely just like to have a character he can separate bo the person from on stage um mm. for his own sanity really um, which which makes sense and yeah it's 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 very similar in that way as well where it's like yeah this is a character there's a character of jason but there's still some truth of aaron in the character of jason
1: right because it, it he so he doesn't really specify like when he chooses to adopt the 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 jason persona but it's clearly a choice that that is made whether whether it was when he was kind of pursuing career in show business or no, sort he of you know talks to about it he, he got it it when
0: was does... be- it was bestowed upon him in san francisco right that's one of the right, right, right that's right. what J- jason Holiday was created in san francisco san francisco was a place where you go to be created
1: he says that right at the beginning
0: yeah like um, the first thing that <laughs> happens in the movie
1: <laughs> <laughs> which i knew but i was like i wasn't sure like when but, okay, so he clearly, he gives himself that name when he is, like, away from where he grew up and sort of embarking on this new life, right? Or, well, so it, he says that he was extent. talking
0: to a guy who was giving people new names based on their personalities and that the guy right. gave him that name and that's when he started going by Jason Holliday.
1: I see. Okay. Forgotten the point that I was going to make. Uh- <laughs> <laughs>
0: um you're talking about the character and him creating the character and at what point yeah he what i will say is he doesn't specify any like years or timelines for the stuff he does so with that he definitely is playing fast and loose with potentially the order of events and or like when certain stuff happened right like it it, the the timeline itself is actually murky the details of the stories are not.
1: I think that's where my brain was going, and then I just got sidetracked on the way there. <laughs> in terms of like the murkiness of the timeline, but then that's kind of the film as well, in terms of like when things happen, when he said they happen, are some of these stories and events and characters like all blurring, all blurring into one as well, because we're just, we take it as we're told. It's not sort of like he never at any point i think correct me if i'm wrong gives like a year and says like oh in this year i was here doing this thing which is why it is hard to like not just gauge the truth because i do believe there is truth in this but gauge like what happened and where and sort of get like i feel like i (laughs) i come out of this film knowing about as much sim as i did when i started because it is just all kind of like telling a load of stuff but i'm still like there's still a lot about this person that i am interested in and that i would like to know more about because you don't apart from sort of like living this living this life and doing all of these doing all of these things there's still like things not said and we're only really given a sort of a snapshot as well over the course of the yeah a portrait if you will uh <laughs> over over the course of the film but it's like there's a lot that's not said as well which seems like a stupid thing to say but it's that stuff that i'm quite interested in as well because it's like he'll or he'll start a thought and then it just won't go anywhere yeah. or he'll start telling a story and then it's kind of like cut off and also just in the way the the film is made as well there's a lot of like where things like aren't quite in focus and you only hear his voice and you don't see anything very clear moments of sort of like this didn't necessarily follow that it does sort of jump around and and play with things a bit so it's like you're not expected i think to come out of this film being like oh i know everything there is to know about jason holiday now
0: well yeah that's reflected in the name yeah 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 it's like a a portrait right or a snapshot is it's a specific moment in time right this is a specific Mm -hmm. moment in time in this dude's life and that's what that's what it is right like it's 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 jason holiday as he is in 1967
1: Mm -hmm.
0: yeah it's 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 now that i have no reservations about it it's great
1: yeah i would happily gladly watch this film again i've actually already recommended it to someone to watch who i am fairly convinced would love it if they haven't seen it already i just think it's an it's just if you can call it a documentary such just incredibly interesting way of presenting a documentary that i i'm certainly intrigued to see italian-american from what i know of it it is very scorsese just putting the camera on his parents and just kind of capturing whatever chaos ensues and when you get into school these other documentaries as well, just sort of seeing like how this influences him and what he chooses to, to present and what is real and what isn't. Uh-huh. And actually playing around with those things, even in a documentary is fine. You kind of just have to be aware of like, when you're going into a documentary that you're not getting like a history lesson, you're not reading a book. <laughs>
0: right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. Right. Is like, I think people mistake documentaries for like the news, right? So often, all the time. Yeah, more more often than not. I'm like, don't do that shit. Don't do that. Do not do that. No, nope. not to get on a high horse, but barely nope. trust the news. But um, that's a separate conversation. <laughs> um, but yeah, don't trust a documentary. Go in there being like, this is a specific person's specific perspective on this specific topic.
1: Yeah. The uh, (laughs) not to get it completely sidetrack ourselves, but even the like the not trusting the news thing is super interesting because you are presented these things as fact, but Mm -hmm. there can be a bias because it completely depends on what side of the political (laughs) field they sit. So, how you are, how the news is delivered to you, or the way it is presented, the language used, so many nuances can completely depend on say who is bankrolling them but you know yeah. like where they're you know where they sit on the line of. yeah yeah which is ugh, again i just <laughs> feel like i'm having a small crisis sure <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah this where i'm just like <clears throat> what is real anyway yeah i, I mean i anymore. i had a
0: full-on like <laughs> existential crisis after inside so i get it <laughs> um
1: yeah i came to that way after everyone else did because you know when you just hear people talking about something and everyone was talking about how it like really spoke to them Mm -hmm. and changed their lives and everything else and it was the most incredible thing they'd ever watched and i was like cool i'll throw it on at some point and then i (laughs) then i watched it like quite a bit later and i did enjoy it but i didn't i don't think i had that same like (laughs) moment Mm -hmm. that like a lot of people had but i do i i do like things that sort of throw you into that spiral
0: yeah yeah <laughs> because
1: yeah. as long as you know you're okay to go to to that place but i was if this had just been a super straightforward documentary and just a guy talking about his life to Canberra, i'm not sure we would have had as interesting discussion as as what has resulted
0: yeah that's for sure right and like like, I, I do think that this is kind This kind of stuff is good for us, right? Like, that's the, like, as memed yep. as that Nicole Kidman AMC ad has been, <laughs> particularly with the line of, like, heartbreak feels good in a place like this is corny, but it's also true, right? Where it's like films as vehicles for empathy do provide us a safe space to process emotions that we otherwise might have a hard time parsing out for ourselves when dealing with them in the real world you know um yeah and like that's good and that's like that's why the older i get the more i want to just see movies that are just people in rooms talking because it's like that's relatable to my experience Mm -hmm. because i I'm not a superhero because they're not real. I am a person who spends most of his (laughs) life talking in rooms and (laughs) doing it right now. (laughs) Yeah. I think, I think that, that something like portrait of Jason or something like inside or the rehearsal can provide us with a safe space to have feelings of existential crisis around (laughs) like what media, how media shapes and influences our lives. And I think that's an important thing to be aware of and it's something that we don't learn and we're not taught. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, not to sound super tinfoil hat about it, but like, there's a reason, <laughs> you know, like there's a reason we're not taught that skill specifically. And you have to seek out that skill and hone it yourself. And mm-hmm. yeah, I think that, that films like this are important in doing so.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm really glad this film is, on this list so unexpected like as I was scrolling through the the list of films that Scorsese had picked I was like okay some some more obvious choices than than others a lot I haven't heard of this being one of them didn't know anything about it going into it but knowing that Scorsese talks quite a bit about Shirley Clark um, as an influence on his sort of early sort of more avant-garde filmmaking like particularly his shorts as well have only seen like a handful of clips from Italian America mm. and I'm sure we're gonna we're gonna see it even more there as well but just the I think why this this project this podcast like appealed to me so much was because I knew there would be films on this list that were challenging in different ways and not just like oh this is really like testing parts of my brain or like meaning i have to go out and do more research or learn some things or you know like before the revolution like i had to do like a a bunch of reading around that in terms of just figuring out the history of the time and where that film sat but films like this that made me feel things i didn't expect to to feel at the end and just i think it's good as you said to to watch films that that challenge us and that's not just what does this film mean i need Mm. to read a load of theories about what it means and all that sort of thing and interpret its themes it's like no films that make you question life (laughs) what is real what isn't you know the media that that we watch and consume and how much of it is real how much of it is fabricated and how much are we as people putting on an act depending on whether there's a you know a camera on us or not i mean <laughs> kind of weird to be having this moment on a podcast right now but <laughs> you know yeah. it's it's like it's an interesting thing to think about and it wasn't something that i was anticipating coming out of this film was because when this film started i i was really enjoying it because i, I it's you're instantly drawn to this guy right. he's so charismatic so fun to listen to the stories are so funny and I thought, I was just like, oh, this is going to be a riot. I was like, I'm really, I'm really just going to have a great time watching this film and, and, and enjoying it. And we're going to have a good old chuckle about it. Uh, wasn't, <laughs> wasn't expected <Yeah>. this. So <laughs> but that's why we love doing this. It's the unexpected. It's this now knowing some of the truth this is gonna be a much much easier film to recommend yes yes the people listening to this episode have listened to us really go through it (laughs) yeah in many many ways yeah
0: went on a journey with this one that's for sure where i was like i don't know <laughs> like i do not know yes and then like yeah. reading what i said or reading what I, I did on the wikipedia page for jason holiday it's like oh okay i feel like i know now like got it yeah okay <laughs> we're okay here i'm much more comfortable <laughs> with uh with this film than i'm than i previously was although i will say that like the discomfort is sort of nice too like there's I don't think there's anything wrong with it.
1: Yeah. Like I, I, right towards the end when like, again, you know, what do we know? It could just be, that's how they talk to each other. It's clear that Jason and Carly have an off camera relationship as well. They know each other. No one pushes your buttons more than your own friends just because they know how to. (laughs) And it's like testing that, like, let's see how far we can, we can go kind of thing like sometimes you'll hear you know two really close friends talk to each other and you're like do they hate each other oh <laughs> And my that's God. kind of like what a what a lot of friendships are and that's what you get from this and it's just like there's a it it gets to the point where it sounds like Carl is is being really harsh to him and you're mm. kind of like is he just is he just doing this to get a reaction are they all a little tipsy yeah. and they're kind of you know drunk thoughts coming out but it's a it's an interesting way to to end it and then obviously it, it ends on a, a big gag as well but again we don't know if that was the first thing they filmed or the last thing they filmed or somewhere in the middle it's just kind of you know as is presented but i knowing what we know now i kind of feel like that like, yes they are sort of like pushing him to say something that is mm-hmm. gonna make for a a better you know movie a better sort of retelling of the story at the end of it but i, I don't think carl is pushing him to like deliberately be a jerk i think there, yeah. i think he's in on the joke
0: yeah i th- i think so too and the the other thing too is like carl lee is his acting teacher right so he's probably doing that to like get him to a point emotionally to to have yeah. something to end on as well but yeah i mean Oh, man, I, I, I'll i tell you the the full story off mic, but I recounted a story <laughs> of me talking to Missy, my co-host from Real Perspective, to my girlfriend, and she was like, whoa! <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, uh, yeah. yeah, you've not met Missy, so you haven't seen that dynamic in in action. But that yes. woman's a sister to me, but... <laughs> what I told her was pretty gnarly. <laughs> like, um. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, I feel like everyone has got that friend. It's usually mm-hmm. someone they've known for a very, very long time yeah. as well. I, I'm pretty sure I had something very similar when, when me and Martin had not long been going out and he met Jake, who is my best friend, and was just like, he's really mean. <laughs> and I was like, he's not... <laughs> No. he's really not he's such he's such a teddy bear yeah. I was like it's just like that's way of, that's his way of letting yeah. people know that he likes them yeah it's Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. The, the meaner he is to you the more he likes you. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> it's just how some people are and that's fine yeah oh
0: i mean yeah that's the thing is the only the reason i didn't feel bad saying the thing i did to missy is because she would say the same thing back to me about something in my past like right right
1: exactly exactly yeah and it's yeah that that um i will watch this film again and i will watch it in a completely different way now and like even i'm looking forward to re-watching that bit where it sort of sounds like they're having a very heated conversation and and things are getting like escalating in tension but actually that could just be them like practicing a scene
0: could be (laughs) like it could be well and also the like the part where he calls him like a dirty queen, I was like, "Good lord, man!" But now knowing that they had some sort of off-screen relationship, yeah. enough for him to bring him in, it's like, "Oh, you're fucking with this guy." <laughs> like,
1: also, that is uh, having I've watched enough RuPaul's Drag Race to know that that is absolutely how they talk to each. Yeah, other. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing,
0: right? Yeah, is like it's a whole thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly exactly, mm-hmm. and like. The other thing, too, is I, I d- this might be a U.S.-specific thing, but, like, sometimes you say shit like that to your friends who are different than you. <laughs> because yeah, sure. Sometimes you say shit <laughs> like that. and it, it doesn't mean anything. Like, the only reason you get away with it is because you love them and have known them long enough for them to know that, like, you know, you don't actually mean it. You're just being a dickhead. <laughs> you know, like.
1: Yeah. I was at my best friend's house last night and he has suddenly got a lot of house plants and I was like I see you're in your stereotypical plant gay era and he was like yes I am absolutely (laughs) and it's like this is just shit that best friends say to each other. Yeah exactly. I don't know what to tell you.
0: (laughs) Exactly we have a gay friend here and he won a hat in a raffle at a thing we were all at he was like I've never owned a baseball cap before and one of his best friends said, that's your straight guy cosplay.
1: <laughs> Real good. Yeah. I, I feel like if it's like, it's a thing that if like someone else said it, it like maybe would be like, oh, it's, that's not really appropriate to say. But like when you know someone that well and you know that that's the kind of thing you can get away yeah, with. and absolutely. that's Absolutely now knowing what we know that's how it comes across mm-hmm. by the way that, that's how i learned Jason. that
0: that guy was gay um i had no idea and like what obviously an doesn't matter but i heard him say. i don't think i was meant to hear him say it i just happened to be like walking up to them at the same time he had, that interaction was happening and my first thought was like oh shit like, really oh. like obviously like i said doesn't matter but i was like wow that is news to me like <laughs>
1: A fun way to find out yeah i mean it's, um, not, it's not a yeah. secret
0: he wasn't just outing his friend in front of me on accident no uh, <laughs> it's common knowledge yeah, it's just works. not something that had ever come up between us because i was fairly new to knowing this person <laughs> and so it was yeah. Yeah, i don't want to yeah. paint like <laughs> a really bad picture of this dude's best friend
1: <sighs> yes <laughs> it's all fine as is uh, what it appears to be in portrait of jason but then (laughs) we don't know we still don't really know even though we kind of know but it
0: seems like based on that one (laughs) quote like everything was on the up and up it seems like
1: yeah yeah i would i i would love to watch this film again Mm -hmm. i there's a there's i think only two films that we've covered so far where i'm like no i could quite happily not watch those again everything else i'm like yes worth watching would like other people to watch and also would watch again myself i'm glad i own the disc i don't yeah. i can now watch it whenever i want yeah also the restoration <laughs> go real away. good
0: um <laughs> mm. really good like i was watching it and i was like do i have motion smoothing on but no i think that's just like how they restored it and a good and i mean that as a compliment crisp
1: yeah it looks it looks great
0: yeah it looks really really good mm.
1: yeah i maybe we can uh, there's so many funny incredibly funny bits in this and also respect the fact that jason laughs so heartily at his own jokes because (laughs) talking to the right people here (laughs) but his may west impression
0: really good
1: now lives rent free in my brain yeah incredible yeah so funny (laughs) the hat as well yeah the hat is amazing the
0: picture hat (laughs) yeah (laughs) he said what does he say only me and Mae West are the me and Mae West are the two people who could pull off that hat
1: yeah (laughs) amazing were there any other bits that like really made you laugh or that stood out to you
0: I liked him talking about living with a construction worker guy in Los Angeles Mm. and uh, like trying to trying to cook him like black southern food that really yeah. made me laugh. I'm like, he had no idea what any of this shit was. He was just like, I just kept eating yeah. collard greens. And it was like, that's hilarious. Like, that's really, that's really funny. Um, <clears throat> that story's really good. And then the one about, like, breaking the vase oh. when he was dusting. That one was really yeah. good, too. Those are my two favorite stories he told him. Yeah. That, and then the, great... the line of, did you hate your mother? I did and then I got pregnant is so like that that just it made me laugh so hard I was folding laundry during that part, and I had to like stop folding laundry. I was like, that's really fucking funny,
1: <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> I so many like just incredibly funny lines that was so, but would be delivered so deadpan or would just kind of pass you by yeah. and then would oh, yeah. not be mentioned again that I was having to do a lot of, and I don't usually do this, I usually just try and watch it through. I was having to do a lot of pausing mm-hmm. just to write stuff down. Mm-hmm. And it's so quick. It's mm-hmm. so rapid fire the way he talks. I'm pretty sure there's still a bunch of stuff that I miss, but it's just like, oh, that's a really great thing. I need to write that down. Oh, that was hilarious too. I need to yeah. write that down. Like even he's talking about like... I think they ask him, like, oh, have you ever been in love? And he's like, um, I've been in love once, many times. Many times, times. yeah, <laughs> it's really a, it's just good. just a great line. Yeah. Just great.
0: Yeah. Oh, I really, I thought that was interesting. Like, the process of picking up a John. Mm. I, like, his, like, the way mm. he manipulates them with language to, so, like, yeah, I thought that was super fascinating.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Just as such a great way of telling a story where every kind of individual story i was just like hooked Mm -hmm. immediately Mm -hmm. and i think you you have to have a a degree of acting slash performing talent to be able to tell a story really well to be able to tell it in the way that that he does so each story he tells is a performance it had most of them Mm -hmm. have a punchline at the end of it are funny in the way that they are told he cracks himself up as well (laughs) which is great um yeah i i really enjoyed this i would love to watch it again and i and i will
0: yeah especially as someone who like prides himself on having like i I have a lot of weird fucking stories and i pride myself on the way i tell them as well like it was really interesting to watch someone else who like clearly has thought about the way he like he's clearly told all these stories before um Mm -hmm. but just like it was really interesting we're like i have no aspirations to be a stand-up or anything like that but just like weird funny shit happens to me and then it's like okay then like when it happens i immediately start thinking like what's the funniest way i can tell this story to other people because this is really funny and weird um yeah and very similar vibe, right? Like J- Jason, <laughs> I saw a lot of myself in the way Jason tells stories. Where I was just like, "Oh yeah, I do the, I structure my my stories very similarly of like, here's this setup punchline setup punchline type of deal." Of yeah, the way I get through a story, even like some bummer stories that have <laughs> happened to me. So I also like very understand that that as well.
1: I will say to support that some of the funniest stories you told me have also been in the most tragic circumstances.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> like we won- we can't get into it again because we do not have time. But like the tie, uh, go back and listen to an LJ Farm, old LJ Farm episodes to pick up on that one. Uh, the at the hospital.
0: Oh, the wool tie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> the yeah, wool <wall> tie. Yeah. <laughs> The the Um, Canadian tuxedo wool tie combo.
1: Boy in the striped pajamas. Boy in the striped pajamas. Um, That
0: one's on our Patreon. You gotta pay for that one.
1: Uh well we're just we're just I'm I'm just luring people in with these things that sound absolutely insane. Have I told the funeral home
0: cancellation um on the on the show? Yes. Yeah
1: (laughs) to me at least. Oh no, yeah, it has been on an episode somewhere. (laughs) Yeah. Wow sorry guys for all of i hate being that like inside joke uh podcast but look we've recorded a lot of episodes yeah. <laughs> together yeah. this shit has happened for a long time yeah
0: <laughs> there's some really funny ones that yeah, i can't say on the podcast too that i've told you
1: <laughs> sure are they're the best ones yeah
0: yeah yeah yeah
1: oh <laughs> uh, real good uh i anything else on this film i guess we better start nope it's wrapping
0: up it's real good Full, wholeheartedly recommend now that i know that it wasn't them being <laughs> shitty to this gay black man
1: what a journey what a journey yeah. we've had on this episode i yeah i i i fully recommend people going and checking this out mm-hmm. it's it's a really great watch uh much to consider as we like, as we yeah, like to say. I, yeah. And things that are unexpected as well that that you will be left with. Mm-hmm.
0: And then also, like, I know, shameless self-promo, but go check out that episode of the rehearsal from real perspective because it is very similar to this. If you like this conversation, I think you'll get a lot out of that. Even... You absolutely should watch the rehearsal because it's one of the wildest things I've ever seen on television. But <laughs> uh, even if you haven't seen it, I think it'll still garner enough interest despite us discussing in detail what happened in the show. I've had several mm-hmm. people who haven't watched the show be like, I want to watch the show now because it's it's like it's so confusing that it's hard to like describe as, as a journey. Yeah, so, yeah, like, yeah. I've had several people be like, "I want to watch the show because, like, listening to you describe it was fascinating, but also one of the most confusing things I've ever heard." <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so ch- check that out. That would be my final point. Is like, if you like this conversation and want more of it with me and Adam from the bond we share, and then my co-host Missy, go listen to that episode of, of Real Perspective, my other show, because it's it's very very similar in this. I think you'll get a lot out of it, if, especially if you've seen mm-hmm. both. Uh, even if you've seen just one, I think it'll be worth your time.
1: Yeah, definitely. I'm I'm super intrigued to watch that show. So I will probably try and find a way to do that yeah. as well. Um, yeah, if you uh, enjoyed listening to us and you want to interact with us in any way, you can do that. We are on social media, uh, Twitter and TikTok. We are at Let's Party Marty. Uh, Instagram, Let's Party Marty Pod. And individually on Twitter, we are at Sarah Buttery and at MJSmith891. On our pod socials, you will find Linktree, which has got links to buy merch, where you can listen to this podcast and our other podcasts as well. And if you are not on any social medias and you would like to get in touch with us in another way, you can do that. You can email us martypartypod at gmail.com our next film is italian american 1974 which is the scorsese film is on the criterion the shorts his like i don't know if that's in, available in america as well yeah um but is i think about yeah we'll 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 cover that on the next episode anyway but that is the next film just in case you wanted to watch ahead and uh
0: <clears throat> so- provided everything goes well we'll be our first guests
1: yes yes as long as all of our schedules and stars align yes. it should <laughs> and it's a good guest i Very will say good. as long as it yeah. all goes um all goes to plan uh so until then and until next time it's marty time bitches